Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod. The podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now... This is a real treat for for Noah, especially because this is somebody who goes way back in in Noah's life. And I've always just kind of heard tell of these stories of Noah's relationship with Taylor Townsend. And I'm just so honored that you're joining us. Thank you so much. And I know we were just talking before we started recording here, but tell people how you're doing, just how how your life is right now and, and what adjustments you've been making over the last several months. Yeah, everything's good so far. Um, it's been pretty crazy the last couple of months. Um, everything was going great at the beginning. Um, it's still going great. I can't. I can't say that's not going great. <laughs> but you know, I just had some like personal internal things that I was dealing with that I kind of had to work through, and I didn't really know exactly what was going on with me. Um, but once I kind of figured it out and identified it, and I went on vacation for the first time, and I took that time to kind of like just unwind, and that was my first time being away from the baby. So it was hard, but it was an opportunity for me to kind of just clear my head and kind of get refocused, and and now I'm good. I'm in a great headspace and on the right path, so I can't complain. I have to ask, like, what is the initial thought? You have a child in your hands. Like, what is the initial <laughs> mindset switch that happens? I, I just... At, at the beginning? Yeah, at, at, like the initial, the first thing. Man. Well, like, <laughs> he came two weeks early. So, like, everything that I thought I was going to do, like, I wasn't able to... Like, I had nails this long when I went to the hospital. <laughs> so, I was like, oh, my God, I hope I don't, like, scratch him and, like, peel his skin off. Like, I'm so scared. Um... But yeah, so it was, it was honestly crazy. Like I had to have a C-section. So like, I literally couldn't feel anything from my chest down. So like, it was really like, even breathing was kind of weird because your lungs, like everything just feels so heavy. But like, I literally had no sensation from like basically here down. So like, I didn't feel or know like when they 
it, he was out until like he showed me like over the thing like here you go I was like oh like I started crying I was like oh my god like it's real that's what my thought process was like it's real yeah like it was different because like towards the end of my pregnancy like I had a great pregnancy I was working I worked out up until 36 weeks like went to the gym every day but like I just was over it mm. by like after like I had probably five or six weeks left and I was just like I'm I'm sick of this shit like I'm over it <laughs> so so um I think like when it, he initially like was there I was like oh my god like, this is a real like yes. thing it just came out and it's like oh my god but it's really strange because like all of the the things just started to like kick in like I didn't even think about it like just how to hold the baby and like everything just kind of like came naturally and then you have a lot of people at the hospital to help you out like if you don't know what to do then you have people to show you like okay this is how you're supposed to do it but for me it was pretty easy yeah, after I, taking care of me for so many years, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's just, that's like a group community thing because all of us have to do it, though. Noah. Wait, Mike. No, wait, no. Mike. Before before you get into it, so I'm cleaning out my house here, and of course, Melanie makes books of all my trips when I was younger. Of course, photo books, and this book that I just saw, Coupe Blanc, and here I have it's little Daniel Kurzman, little Noah Rubin, and then Taylor Townsend is four five six inches taller than us and just like little boys <laughs> and brooke Austin was there and it was hysterical i'm la- you have to see what we look like i have to send you one of these <laughs> oh my gosh i remember that for for people oh that don't God. know the tournament it's it was basically our first international experience i mean that was yeah. in, it was in um we were like 11 yeah we were 11 yeah. and it God. was like, away from our parents we were, this was like our so first, happy. first experience. We, were so, <laughs> we had no idea what was happening. Absolutely no idea. We're like going to Disney. And and here we are. And that's where, uh, that's where that's our journey amazing. began. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I've known you for 14 years. Like it's weird to say. That's so embarrassing for you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's not. What so so this is me asking uh what what was was he as annoying and just that little shit when he was 11 as he is now Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Probably, okay. Probably had less of a filter back then than I do now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like he was is just this okay as hairy to too. Oh, he was just wait. as hairy. I come on, I didn't know what a shaver was. What, what was it? A trimmer? No, as my bar mitzvah hit full beard. Full beard. <laughs> Full leg hair, and now it's it's a Monday routine. It's a Monday trip. <laughs> oh my gosh! And then and then La Petitas. and that was that yes. was our second large trip. That was that was going to Tarbes, France. Oh my god! I was just talking about that to someone. I was telling them, I was like, we were in somewhere in the mountains in France. It was so damn cold because I was talking. I was telling them like the differences between like when you go to Europe and it's summertime, and when you go like in the winter time. So like. You've been to Wimbledon when it's like one of those random hot days, but they have no air. So you have to open up the windows as hot as hell all the time. Yeah. You sleep as hot as hell. You sweating. Like, it's just <laughs> like, it's so annoying. And then you have the polar opposite where it's like, it's freezing. You have to sleep in like your jackets and all your clothes. It's so cold. They have no heat. Unbelievable. The <laughs> secondary just... site was like, it, it could have been below 32 degrees 100 it was it was so yeah cold. it was, so it was cold. freezing and sharing the room with all the with gabby and brooke and who was there it was you and paul and wearschlum 
and, and yeah. Henrik. Yeah, that yeah. was that was. I was like, movie. I've been I've been babysitting you and Tommy and Francis for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tommy at that point, that was like my first interaction. I was like, this <laughs> needs to be put in a cage. Again, still my reaction to Tommy Paul now. I mean, it's just like. <laughs> all he would do every night was just throw quarters at the wall and i'm just like taylor taylor help me taylor help me his sister jesse because i played i played um in the southern tournaments with his sister jesse and i played against her quite a bit and she was just like please watch him for me i was like okay so i felt like i had an obligation to like make sure that he was like all right and then we have Stefan Kozlov doing some weird arm <laughs> stuff in the back. He had ticks with cracking his body, and we'd just be at dinner and silent. And he just, just looking, like, and he's like, "Okay, I." But here's here's what I want to ask as the non tennis player because you've just rattled off like Taylor. We're talking about three people: Tommy, Kaz, and and Noah. And like he's describing himself and those other two, and I'm just like, "You guys, have, none of you have changed." Like it's like like what is this maturity like? Does it just like stop at like twelve? Probably for guys it does. <laughs> I mean, Taylor and I hit it off pretty early on, and that's kind of my first experience with Kathy Rinaldi at that time as mm-hmm. well. And she just scaring the shit out of me at random moments. <laughs> <laughs> and then I by mistake, we were hitting cross courts. Where was this? This was like when no, this was like I don't even know, junior ITF somewhere. And I remember we were play- we were hitting cross court and I pegged you by mistake. Mm-hmm. And then Kathy ran from the other court as a joke, but you never know when she's joking. I was like freaking out because I was like, I'm so sorry, Taylor. I just pegged you. And then and then Kathy's like, You gotta be fucking kidding me. You're gonna get <laughs> And this is literally this was our juniors, like from eleven all the way through. This was it. And we had such a good group of people. Yeah. And we lost a few along the way and it, it, it kind of weeded out a little bit, but Look how, and now we're talking about you having a child and coming back to tennis and jeez, I know it's crazy. I would have never thought. Not me, maybe you, because you always you've always been the lover guy, like in love with every girl that he dates. <laughs> I would have never thought it was me. Not me first. Oh god. Oh, and I also I just told uh, my girlfriend Jamie about remember Petra from La Petitas. Do you remember this story? Oh. The girl who was at the um, she was, who like, uh, was at the player party. Yeah, she, she was, was like the Danish neighborhood or something. Cougar. No, 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 not her. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you have to. Oh my god, I can't wait until my grandmother listens to this. <laughs> um, so we'll keep that out. Well, just just for this is for the fandom side. Like people want to know where you're at with the tennis side, I, I, and obviously the, the the motherhood side is so much more important. I, I can speak to that myself. But where are you at with your tennis? Uh, where are you at in terms of getting back to play? And do you actually miss it at this point? Oh my god, I miss it so much. And I it's been because I've never had an injury to take me out yeah. or to like force me. You know, thankfully that I've haven't had to play or practice and um so this is the first time that I've been away from the game for this long and like when I used to play like I did not watch tennis I was just like I just can't like I need to disconnect but now that's all I watch like I just I miss being out there like I miss competing I you know I don't necessarily miss the travel so much Mm -hmm. but you know like I just miss that like that edge and that competition and like that push and pull 
that's one of my children. <laughs> this is the dog. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I'm I'm on I'm on my comeback trail. Um, I'm on week three of a pretty intense like fitness program. Um, in about two weeks, I'm starting to go back to hitting and stuff like that and kind of organized practices and everything, which has been great. I've been hitting off and on with my sister. Like when we get a chance, we go to a little rinky dink park and hit and stuff like that. But like actually in a couple of weeks, having like organized practices, live ball hitting and, and, you know, ball machines and just getting back to like high levels of repetition. So I'm really excited about that because just being able to kind of like start from the ground up. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I tried or to play world team tennis in November, but nobody really wants me. So, <laughs> so I was like, okay. Cause I was like, even if I play doubles, like I just wanted to get a chance to like be out there and yeah. feel where I'm at. Um, but my plan is to be back playing tournaments between March and May of next year. Okay. So, um, just depending on how everything progresses, you know, maybe play, you know, a UTR or something like that, Yeah. but we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I'm definitely coming back. I'm definitely on the path. It's just, you know, a long way to go. <laughs> in in that regard, um, have you matured? Do you do you sense that like a different perspective on on where you're at in terms of the tennis side, let alone obviously the personality side? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that this whole experience has, like I said, being away from the game has helped me mature as a player. I think mentally, even though I haven't like hit a lot of balls or played any matches and in, in, you know, September will be a year. Like U S open will be a year. Yeah. But even though I haven't played any competitive matches, I feel like me being away from the sport has allowed me to like take a step back and really like analyze and be able to see and watch objectively. Yeah. And, um, kind of just start seeing like, okay, this is what I would do or trying to figure out what I would do in these scenarios and just kind of like keep my mind engaged. Yeah. Um, but I think this whole experience also is, has given me a different perspective of like, what's important. Like I feel like tennis players get caught up for athletes in general. It's very easy for like to get caught up in results. And like, if you're not doing well, you don't, you know, you don't feel good. Like, you know, and you feel like this match and, you have to win your first round of a grand slam and, you know, all of these different things. And, and tennis is designed for you to always have to top what you did the following year in order for you to stay in the spot that you're at. Right. So it creates this like unique pressure because you have to continue to like one up yourself basically and the people around you. Um, so it, it definitely has given me a, uh, perspective of what's important and just like you know it's at the end of the day like I'm blessed to be able to play a game that I love and make money um and just you know going out there with like a new with a new drive and a new fire honestly and a new motivation of like now I'm just doing it's bigger than just me now like it's not just about I want to win this match because of me like I'm I need to win this match because you know my son is you know I got my son yeah. You know, I, I have someone else to provide for other than myself. And I think that that driving factor, you know, kind of brings something out, brings something out of you that is unique, you know, until you get in that place. 
That was actually going to be my next question. The bull size, the pressures and the motivations of having like somebody to support and somebody next to you, like through this, you know, what, what does that feel like on a day-to-day basis? Obviously you're not picking up a racket necessarily right now, but are you thinking about that when you wake up? Is that, is that like a constant reminder? Like (laughs) I am now, I have to, you know, I have to do this or, okay. That's, (laughs) I I literally like check my bank account every day. I'm like, Oh my God, (laughs) like he's going down. (laughs) You better get a scholarship. Well, Noah, Noah will get you some stock tips. So that's not a problem. He's got got inside information. It's good. Yeah. I'm a totally legal too. Yeah. No, all actually nothing's legal. I do absolutely nothing legally. (laughs) yeah but I mean it's something that you like it's inevitable honestly like that that understanding and knowing that okay I have another person that is relying on me for everything and like over the last couple of months and him growing like it's been bodily you know breastfeeding and like I'm the only source of his food you know like this is the only thing that you you get you get it from me so it's like everything is exclusively like, you know, I need you, you know, and, um, my boyfriend is great. He's an amazing dad. And, um, but it's like, that's always on my mind because even for me, like I've been through struggles, like financially and everything before having him. And I just was like, you know, I never want to get to this place again, like ever. So, you know, that's, that's always something where it's like, you have that pressure of, of feeling like, okay, now, you know, you, you, I have to make something happen. And I feel like it, it you got to kind of find that balance. And I think that once I go back to start competing and stuff, like, I think that my true colors will kind of come out of like where my mind is, but you got to find that balance between like motivating yourself and then putting like crazy pressure on yourself and, you know, feeling like you're going to go crazy because, you know, you're counting every dollar or feeling like, okay, I, I can't lose. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you kind of have to find that balance. Well, I have to find that balance. So I'm excited just to start competing and get back because I think that a lot of these things that we're talking about are just going to kind of come out naturally. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. It's it's an interesting discussion, obviously, with, with Naomi and what she's brought to the table of late and obviously Simone Biles as well. Um, mm-hmm. and, and obviously your, your article in the Players' Tribune – a couple months ago, I was actually reading it, and then Christopher Eubanks shows up. Like, oh, that's not sorry. No, that's good. And I, I was, I'm reading it, and then Christopher Eubanks like comes up right behind me. We were in Orlando, and he's just like, "Are you reading this Taylor Townsend article?" I'm like, "Yeah," <laughs> um, but it's it, but it it's so much of the discussion right now is about mental health and how athletes mm. are um, competing and, and dealing with that side. And I, mm-hmm. I guess that's the real question, isn't it? How, how, what is your perspective on Naomi, Simone, what they've said, what they've gone through? And, and on top of it, you know, you, you dealt with that, gosh, what is it? Seven, eight years ago now, even longer and how you went through that and, and your perspective on it. Yeah. I mean, I think that during those times, like when I was going through certain, those hardships, mental health wasn't high on the priority list Mm -hmm. (laughs) for anybody. Yeah, And I don't think it was a topic of discussion for athletes. And honestly, like back then, I didn't even think about mental health, anything. I was just like, well, shit, you know, like I wasn't (laughs) thinking about like, oh, my emotions and my mind and I have anxiety. Like, I was like, I don't, like, 
you got to keep going. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's a thing where it's kind of like, you have to put your emotions to the side and just like keep on keeping on. And I think like, for me, I felt like that's has helped me because it has created like kind of me to have tough skin and to have resilience to not kind of stay in what you're going through. Um, but it's, it's a twofold because if you don't acknowledge it, then it continues to come back. So like with Naomi, obviously she was going through certain things and mentally wasn't in a good headspace. So she decided to, I need to take time away and deal with whatever was going on so that I can come back and I can feel good and I can feel refreshed and rejuvenated. And the same thing like Simone Biles did, like, like, okay, I'm not in a good headspace. Um, so let me kind of take myself out of here until I'm in a good space to be able to compete. But for me, it's twofold because as athletes, we have to deal with pressures all the time and pressure is part of the game. Like it's just, is what it is. Expectation, especially when you're at the top of your, at the top of the game and you're like the face of the sport whether that's tennis, basketball, anything, it comes with tons of obligations and it ton- it comes with a lot of pressures, both positive and negative. So for me, like, I understand where they're coming from, but from my experiences of having to just deal with the stuff as I'm c- continuing with my competition and practicing and trying to just get myself through it, like for me and my experiences, I don't necessarily agree with like the logic of saying, Hey, like, let me, let me just withdraw Mm. like in the middle of the competition. Like, and I, I always said, I was like, if you weren't in the position where you are in now, where you've succeeded and you have these, these successes and these accomplishments and you're, you were in the place where you were grinding and scratching and clawing, trying to get to where you are now, would you have ever like, they're like, no, I'm not going to do this. Mm. Probably not. You know what I mean? So you kind of have to have that mentality of like, I'm always grinding and I'm always working. And that's just how I am. Like even Michael Phelps, like Michael Phelps, he talks about his anxiety and everything after, but even if he was feeling those pressures, he still was able to compartmentalize that stuff and go and like kick ass. And then it opens up the conversation of like, yeah, I wasn't in a good space mentally, but I was able to still succeed because I, you know, this is how I approached it. Mm. So like, I understand both sides, but personally, like, I would like to see people not be so sensitive and like, you know, kind of like, oh, you know, it's okay. Like, you know, being a professional athlete comes with a lot of responsibilities on both sides. Noah, you get it. Like you, you got press, you got this, you got, you know, recovery. You have all these things that you have to do for yourself and other people. Um, and it just is, is part of the game. So you just got to learn how to play the game to where you, you can balance it for you. No, there's really no right answer because, you know, it can get yeah. worse, you know, or you're in it and then you lose that, you know, there's really goes a few different ways, but for you, it's kind of an interesting time because, you're just told us you're, you're one of those that's going to fight through. This is a time off right now. Obviously it's extremely exhausting and I'm sure <laughs> time consuming and every second is taken by somebody else. <laughs> yeah. But is this a time for you to work on some of that or give yourself a mental break in some of the categories that you've dealt with for so many years? Is this an okay time to step away? 
Yeah, I um. It kind of forced it upon you almost. Yeah, but last year, even before, and I, I mean, I can speak to this, even before, like, I got pregnant or knew I was pregnant, let's just say it, because <laughs> this wasn't on purpose, trust me. <laughs> but but um, even before, like, when the pandemic had first started and, like, they had pretty much, it was, like, right after they had canceled Wimbledon. So I was like, okay, I know there's not going to be anything, like, from July. Like, yeah. it was kind of inevitable of, like, what our schedule was going to look like and everything. And I started like really struggling mentally because like, not necessarily with motivation because like when I would show up to fitness or when I would show up to practice, it wouldn't be my effort level, but it was finding the inner motivation to continue every single day when I don't know what I'm working for. You know what I mean? Like you, when you have off season, you work really hard because it's like, okay, I'm going to Australia. I know that it starts this day and it ends this day because when I, my travel day is here, you know, the tournament starts here. So it's like, you have these definite dates where you can kind of pinpoint and you know, okay, I'm working towards this particular thing. But when the pandemic hit, it was like, I don't know what I'm going to play. Everything is shutting down. Like, what is my life outside of tennis and traveling and everything? And it kind of exposed that for me. I was like, wow, like I don't have shit to do. I don't know what I like. I don't know what I like to do. I don't know anything outside of this game and this regimen and routine. So I started seeing like a sports psychologist because I was like, if I can't play matches and everything like that, like at least let me try to work on my mind. So I started seeing someone and just kind of like started shaving the layers of like certain issues that I have, the things that I've gone through in the past and kind of how they affected me back then, now, my habits and all that stuff. So yeah, even before like getting pregnant, I had started on that journey of trying to kind of understand myself and and the things that I've gone through and, and how they're affecting me. So um I definitely think time necessarily time away is important and how you plan, but you kind of have to be aware of like where you are in your headspace. So I get both, like I said, I get both sides, but like that was a time when we were forced to take time off. So that was like my way of trying to maximize, you know, us. Okay. We're not playing tournament. So let me try to do something that can help me once I do go back on court. I'm, so yeah, I'm I'm fascinated yeah. to see what that development is going to look like for you because I I always thought you were so incredibly tough as it was you know from my external viewpoint it you seemed just so tough. Um, mm-hmm. Can I ask about one specific incident that you talked about in the Players Tribune uh, the yeah. little, the little Mo tournament? Um, mm-hmm. So that was that was the one I I like I told you earlier my I have a seven-year-old daughter right so this is Mm. the same time frame is that right you were you were seven is that right and so you you finished second in that tournament and then your coach at the time Donald Young Sr. told Donald Jr. uh, the (laughs) the DY that everybody knows to go out to the parking lot and and break your second place trophy Mm -hmm. so me as a parent of a six-year-old who's not at the time, who is not obviously an athlete at the, at the same level you are by any means. But for me, I immediately just tensed up and I was just like, I, don't, don't you do that to my little girl, even though it's you, yeah. right? I'm just like, oh my God, what? No, why? And I guess 
Um, it, it could can you kind of explain that because you used it as a a positive thing, and for me mm-hmm. as a, you know a parent, I was furious. So I guess yeah. I'm I, I'm I had trouble understanding that reaction, and I was hoping you could kind of explain it to to me, just a regular person. Yeah. So I mean, kind of the precursor is that like Mr. Young and like Donald's like my brother, right. Mr. Young, Miss Young, like they've been in my life since before I was thought about, like. So Donald's always been around. He's always been a jerk to us. Like it was just <laughs> his thing. Um, but my coaches were always like really tough on us of like, and that's kind of like even the mindset that I've taken in my comeback is like, I'm not going to show up. I'm not coming here just to participate. I'm not going somewhere to be a participant. I'm not going to be happy just being here. Like I'm going to be here and I'm coming here to win and succeed. So um for me Mr. Young's basically thought process was like there was no reason that you should have lost this match like zero and it's unacceptable for you to be happy and content with second place when you should have been in first place like there's no reason like you are beating the girl and you were just happy about the trophy and you know all of that so it was kind of a deeper message it wasn't necessarily about the physical thing but it was just like, no, like it was kind of that breaking of the trophy is like shattering your kind of complacency. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can't be complacent and you can't be happy with second place because you're better than that. And like, I expect more from you and you have to expect more from yourself. So like looking back, that's the message and that's the positive that I took from it. Like I was devastated at the time yeah. I was like, you're so evil <laughs> but, but like looking back on it like I appreciate the lesson because now I'm older and like I can look at that and I can say okay I see what you were trying to do and like I said I'm applying that same logic even to my comeback like I've given myself 12 to 14 months mm-hmm. because I didn't want to rush and I didn't want to return to the court if I didn't feel like I can play and win like I'm not just gonna go and play WTAs because I have a protected ranking and because I can. No, I'm going to go when I'm ready and when I know that I can win matches and I'm in a good space. So um, that was kind of like even that message and that lesson tied into even how I'm doing things now, like just kind of little things in my head. <laughs> like I'm, I guess I'm still scarred. <laughs> I'm I mean, scarred my heart right rate, now. Yeah. yeah, My heart rate's at 150. <laughs> the incident was 20 years ago and it wasn't about me. <laughs> yeah no i mean yeah my dad was tough but i'm still a long island jew i was just kind of chilling over here you know <laughs> i was just doing my thing and we kept our trophies they're still in my garage in Mary. <laughs> i still have a lot of them but that i have a fourth one... place trophy somewhere down there so <laughs> yeah uh, that was just that was his way taylor was like whatever who have you reached out to or who has reached out to you in terms of the, the moms that are on tour in terms of just kind of giving you an idea of the path and the journey and what that's like? Um, I've talked to pretty much, well, I'm not going to say all of it. I talked to Kim Kleister, Serena, and I've talked to Vika. Okay. Um, those are the three ones that I've kind of spoken to the most. Um, and they've just been really like open. It was more so I haven't really spoken to him in a, in a while, like since I've had the baby, I spoke to Kim, like she messaged me and just asked like, you know, how are you doing? 
Um, but more so just like expressing, oh, I'm really excited for you. This is awesome. Congratulations. You know, that kind of yeah. stuff. And um, I saw Serena last November and we just kind of talked and just comparing our experiences of like, obviously when she was pregnant, she was like three, the, the same. She was like three months when she won in 2017 in Australia. Right. And so like, obviously having you know played the u.s open and having to keep that a secret and all this stuff i was like it was so super stressful and she was like you were pregnant like i didn't even know and i was like yeah i was trying to hide like i was wearing like shirts that were huge and just like i was super self-conscious like it was it was so weird um and it was a thing where it's like you know the bubble everybody's condensed in the small space so you see everybody all the time like you wasn't like you can escape where you go to your hotel, I go to mine, like maybe yeah. people, players aren't staying at the hotel, so you can kind of have your own, you know, be free. No, <laughs> not at all. So, um, I mean, they've been incredibly supportive and, um, you know, hopefully when I return back on tour and kind of like start getting my feet grounded in traveling and everything, like obviously traveling with a child is not easy at all. Yeah. But, you know, as they get older, you know, hopefully, hopefully it works out. I don't know. I'm, it's like, it's a learning experience for me at this point. So I'm like, everything is new. Like me having a one play as a mother is number one. Number two, now factoring in my scheduling and having a child and figuring out, okay, how long am I going to be away from home? When is he going to come on the road? Like I literally went and picked up his passport today. <laughs> you need a passport because if I got to go somewhere like you need to come to you know what I mean so like all of these things are super new to me especially when I go back like just having to factor in all these things whereas you can focus singularly before it's just me and my team and my coach and I just got to do for me okay I need to recover I need to warm up I need to do this now it's someone else and other people and other branches that you kind of got to pull from so yeah, we're all going to be in this together, honestly. <laughs> well, I guess the, the real question is, what age am I allowed to babysit? Hmm. When when does that... Oh, God, I almost choked. You okay with <laughs> I trust Noah, honestly. So he's, he's very responsible. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I wait, do. wait, 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 guys, everybody. What? What happened? I do, I trust you. Oh, my God. This might be the most complimentary thing that's ever been said about Noah in the two On years the we've done this podcast. <laughs> I do. As long as Jamie's around. <laughs> Taylor, I will I'll say this. He came last year in the middle of the pandemic and and he and my daughter Marnie, they hit it off and she still wants to talk to him every once in a while. So I'm I I give him shit, but I am completely with you. I I know he would yes. if you can also you need to take away his phone for a little bit. I mean, that's that's pretty crucial. If you can do that, yeah. I think I think he'd be great. Well, no, yeah, we're making I mean, I have this child Instagram fame. You have to understand this is step one. <laughs> you started the content. I'm helping out. This is this is it. This is our I ticket. Have to, yeah, <laughs> but I have like a lot of people. So it's like if I if I have to play like first match up, I'll be like, OK, your third match. All right. You take him. This is first shift, second shift, third shift. <laughs> this, the ladies in the locker room were like, just leave him in here with us. We'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So I was like, OK, so. <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's it's definitely interesting though. I'll buy a leash, not not to worry. Oh my god. You better not. 
I will chop off your crooked pinky finger. Wow. That's, I mean, that is, that's, that shows the knowledge of Noah Rubin. That's just, like, the, that's good old, just... the good old high four. <laughs> <laughs> high four. <laughs> uh, Taylor, Taylor, what's your, what's your caffeine of choice? Oh man. You gotta have, I mean, listen, that's, this is where my coffee addiction started. It was seven years no. ago. Mm-mm. I, I honestly don't own a coffee machine because okay. I don't want to get addicted. So I just drink, I drink like powdered Moringa in the morning okay. that gives me energy. And that's pretty much it. Like I really try to stay away from like, I mean, I love a good coffee and a pastry. Yes. Oh and I got addicted <laughs> to coffee in, in Australia. Yes. Yes. Like that's when I actually got it. When I was there, I was there for, um, I was there for how many weeks was I there? I think I was there for seven, seven or eight weeks. Yeah. And I, it was like my progression was, oh, I'd like a coffee. To like, oh, like I'm feeling, oh, I need a coffee, so I'm tired. That's to like, right. oh, a coffee at lunch would be great. To like, I need two or three a day. Yep. And then I got home and I was like, damn, I need a coffee. So I woke up at like 4 a.m. and I was like, uh-huh. I need a coffee. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God. So I literally, this place like that was up the street from my house that I thought had good coffee. Cause I at like Starbucks and those kind of things. Like once you have the stuff over in Europe and Australia, like when you come back to the States, like you have to search for like good coffee. And when I came back, I was like, Oh my God, I need a coffee. So I woke up, got dressed and was like standing outside of this restaurant for 30 minutes until they opened. Like I was the first one in the door. Like I need a coffee. I need a cappuccino. Like now. I respect this so, so much. Yeah. Once I, once I went through that and I was like, having my look i was there by myself i was like okay this is this is a little ridiculous you gotta cut yourself <laughs> off <laughs> so, so after that i was like all right so i love a good coffee but i just don't i'm not an avid coffee drinker because like i just don't want to get addicted to it God, i understand you let me Mike just is long gone let's, let's just say this the, be- <laughs> before noah came along and was just like i've got this behind the racket thing that i want to do and can we do a podcast together my previous podcast was called the coffee cast where I would get uh-huh. a tennis player and we'd go to a coffee shop and just shoot the shit over coffee or like over a good oh, coffee, it. right? Yes. That was when it was fun. And then this little fella shows up and he's just like, I, can, I want a little thing. Well, I might be coming to New York, so oh, hopefully God. we can get a good coffee. Okay. Now, uh, we're, now we're talking. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, Noah's like the food and drink. He's so bougie. Like, I just can't. My pocketbook, I'm not going to keep up with him. Like, I just I can't. Taylor, you oh, and I, yeah. you and I could tell some stories right now. Oh, Lord. way too bougie for me. <laughs> I mean, I don't even have a checking account anymore, so I don't. <laughs> even they just took it away from me. They're like, "You don't use this, so we're gonna take this back now." I'm like, "Okay, that's no, fine." <laughs> Taylor, this was a lot of fun. We missed. Yes. I missed you. I know Mike missed you without even knowing you. No, I, I've I've just always I've I've admired your spirit. I've admired your hands. Oh my God, what I would do yeah. for your hands. I just, yeah, it's, I'm excited to be able to see you out on court again, but yeah, if, if we're in New York, I'd love to be able to actually chat in person. That would be a lot of fun for me. Yeah, for sure. Noah, do you want to see the baby? Yes. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Gotta wait for that. I, I I'm going to just bet uh, Aiden is bigger than you already 
I actually thought you were going to say something nice. <laughs> I was like, what are you? Yeah. Okay, my, my my daughter, by the way, came in and interrupted the podcast because you texted yes. me and she said, Noah Rubin was on my iPad. Oh, <gasps> my God. Look at oh. Hey, <laughs> hi, Noah. What did we just interrupt? What was he doing? He was asleep. Well, not really. He was taking... So his... Can you move? <laughs> that was to the dog for people who are just listening. That was to the dog, not, not yeah. Tate. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So his nickname is Catnap Man because all he does is take catnaps. Like, he doesn't nap during the day. So, yeah, that's all he does is just, like, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. So it's a tease. So it's like you think that you can get a good nap in, and you, as soon as you start falling asleep, he's up. <laughs> so that's his nickname. So he just took a cat nap. Say oh hi, Noah. God. Look at him <laughs> with your Dobermans. <laughs> I love with it. With those cheeks. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I was gonna say those cheeks are exploding. <laughs> yes, he's got a lot of juice, and I love the juice. So <laughs> how, how how old officially right now? He's four months, turning five months um, oh on the fourteenth. In a couple of days, Very there's. Cute. I mean, I, I, I like shopping, believe me. But there is nothing like buying baby clothes. Oh, oh my! I, oh, I, I mean, I, I know they grow out of it within like a day and a half, but it's just. Oh, you see this little fucking know, it's, shoe? Yes, it's like the socks are like this big. Oh my god! So I was I mean, like, it's it's so cute. Like I I was cleaning my closet out and I found like one of his diapers from like when he was in the hospital like the uh, newborn diapers yep. and it was so small I was like oh my god yeah. so cute <laughs> yeah but I was just like I just refused because I I'm a sneaker head like me and my boyfriend are both like we love sneakers and I was like I just can't wait to start like swagging him out but I was just like I'm just not gonna do it right now because you you're gonna grow can't. too fast yeah you just oh, can't there's a store in Miami. It has like the little Jordans with the Montclair jackets. And I'm like, you got to buy all of it. You have to buy all of it. This, this is when your, your uncle Noah's going to buy you a Montclair jacket. <laughs> <laughs> you have to ask. Like, I wasn't. Jamie has a nephew. And the first thing, I just bought bathing suits, these Villa Brooklyn bathing suits. And there was, it was a matching one with the fall. You just, you have to. You just, you just have to. And You're to so cut you off. Bougie. No, to cut Mike off, he was going to say, I wear the same shoes I did uh, as your son. So you, you can't make those jokes. They're gone already. Sorry. I get it. My shoe size has not grown. I get it. I get it. Okay. Okay. I have a dinner now. I have to go to dinner. I don't want to speak to you anymore, Mike, but I do miss you, Taylor. And I'm, I'm happy to see this little cutie. Look at him. Thank you. I miss you guys too. And I'll message you when I get, well, if and when I get yes. to New York and we can meet up just for casual that sounds good. something. That sounds really good. Well, thank you so much and best of luck. We are here if you need anything and get some rest, okay? Yeah, thank you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye, Taylor. See you, Taylor. Right. Bye. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin33, at Mike C. Tennis, and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you behind the racket.
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com.